0: this is the stop time podcast i'm your host lisa hopkins and i'm here to engage you in thought provoking motivational conversations around practicing the art of living in the moment i'm a certified life coach and i'm excited to dig deep and offer insights into embracing who we are and where we are at i am just so excited to reconnect with today's guest Nobody in our industry would dispute the fact that the most recognized name in dance shoes is LaDuca. But way before the shoes, there was Phil LaDuca, the performer, the man who went from classical ballet onto Broadway as a song and dance man. Huffing with the biggest stars on stage, off stage, and the big screen, from Rudolf Nureyev to Katy Perry, Meryl Streep to Antonio Banderas, and the list goes on. On Broadway, he appeared in Brigadoon for Agnes de Mille, The Pirates of Penzance with Kevin Kline for Graciela Danielle and was the original understudy for the Gene Kelly role in Singing in the Rain for my favorite Twyla Tharp. Phil performed with American Dance Machine under the legendary Lee Theodore working with such greats as Bob Fosse, Jerome Robbins, Ona White, Danny Daniels, Patricia Birch, Anne Ryan King, Wayne Salento, Cheetah Rivera, I personally, I am so grateful to say that Phil and I have shared countless hours dancing together in classes at Steps on Broadway over the years and I have had the distinct pleasure of knowing him before Leduca was a household name and still have one of his very first prototype tap shoes. (laughs) Welcome, my friend.
1: (laughs) My pleasure, Lisa. So wonderful to reconnect with you.
0: Thank you for spending this time with me today on Stop Time, really. Oh, my pleasure. It's hard to believe, but it's been, you know, six months plus now since since Broadway shut down. Do you remember where you were that day?
1: Very distinctly. We were in New York. We were two hours away from going to opening night of the musical. Six is just a brilliant six woman show, The Six Wives of Henry. And we were two hours away for opening night red carpet at six o'clock, and uh, my manager, Jerome Vavona said to me, um, I said, well, I'm going to stop by the box office and pick up the tickets on the way there to this where we don't have to worry about it. He said, didn't you hear? Broadway is closed. And at first, I, I didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, is the street blocked off? or did they block off, like in Times Square for the New Year's? And that's when I learned that the actual theater we were going to was where the first positive COVID test had come up with an usher there. Mm. They closed that theater and the producers decided to close Broadway. So yes, I do remember where I was. Yeah. It took a while for it really to kind of sink in when we started to hear that cast members were testing positive. Then it became real. When people actually started to become sick, that's when it started to become really frightening. Realizing that this is not something that is going to just dissipate. This is not going to be even seasonal this is going to be with us until we actually find a vaccine what has been challenging and frightening is the realization that we're only about halfway through trying to hang on until then is what is my greatest anxiety and i'm doing everything i can to ensure that La Shoes weathers this storm, and that we see each other on the other side.
0: Yeah. You have touched so many, your, well, your shoes, but with what you've done, I mean, they're not just a pair of shoes. I mean, they're art. Y- you have done so much, Phil, and I just want to celebrate you for a moment. I'm just curious to know if you ever give yourself that, if you, because because I, I know you're so driven.
1: I am very humbled. You knew me as a performer. I was very self-centered and very concentrated on my achieving uh, accolades, getting roles, getting those notices. It was very singular driven. What I am very pleased and thankful for. The shoes saved me in a way because it deferred my need for attention my need to be the center of attention and the spotlight so we focus so much on just ourselves and at the sacrifice of our personal lives the shoes helped me escape that it was it became about the product and what i was providing so it helped me step away from the need to be the center of attention. What the shoes have done is provided an opportunity for me to continue to help and create and support dancers in a way as a teacher, a choreographer, a mentor that I could not. So the shoes have given me a new life. Uh, I'm, I'm flattered, I'm honored, and most humbled by the fact that dancers acknowledge and look up to me because I am one of them. I am a dancer and they know that I have opened the store and designed these shoes for them. And the love is mutual.
0: Yeah, it's so beautiful and it's so evident you know in in the legacy that you've created in these shoes it's it's a gift from from you and you know it it resonates there you articulate very clearly you know what it's become to to you and what it represents for you you know in a much more intrinsic way and i'm curious to know you know where in the journey did that occur right because there was probably the idea of making the shoes and and i don't know but i'm just you know you know that was, yeah. Tell me about that. Like how that's changed from, you know, your, your motivation when you were going to design make shoes, which is back when we were hanging out. <laughs> yes, um,
1: yes, yes. For myself and entertainers, especially dancers, is we are very susceptible to the limitations of our physicalities or aging. Uh, this industry is based on youth and look and what's wonderful i have to say is in the last several years society has changed in that regard as far as body shapes and what is looked upon as beautiful in the world there is beauty in everyone and every person brings a uniqueness that is only theirs and I think we are on a path, thankfully, to recognize that. How that fits in with the shoes and my going to them was the limitation of the physicality. I had had reconstructive knee surgery early in my ballet concert career and knew that my ballet career had ended before it began. And because I had sung in rock bands, I had a voice and someone recommended I go into musical theater. So because of my injury, I went into musical theater. And then in the 1999, I was choreographing in Vienna and I popped a disc out of my back. And I thought, wow, at 45 years old, What am I going to do now because my body is betraying me? I had been very fortunate to have been still dancing up until 45 years old, which is very rare in the industry. So I was fortunate in that regard. But I realized I physically cannot keep doing this. These things are very harsh, very hard lessons. And sometimes they are necessary. Uh, because we want something so badly that we are driven to it, and only a stronger force can deter us and knock us off that path. Sometimes we need that. So when I had my back surgery, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to physically teach or dance, I thought, what is it that I can do in the meantime, because I still was gonna come back. I always came back from injuries to dance. I remember when I had, I was doing singing in the rain on Broadway and I was given my, or went to fit my shoes being made. And I said to them, I can't point my foot. And the response was, well, this isn't Swan Lake. Uh-huh. And the, real, the realization of that, I thought, wow, they really don't understand. There wasn't anybody in place, not that people were trying to do harmful things to dancers. There was just an, un- there was not an awareness at the time of that I was on Broadway. It was a renaissance coming into the style of dancing that was not just bring out the chorus girls, bring out the kick line. It was becoming more demanding. It wasn't just the, the dream ballet from Oklahoma mm-hmm.
0: where they came
1: out in ballet slippers. It wasn't the, the dance on the beach from Carousel where they were barefoot. Now, they were asking us to do shows like On Your Toes and uh, Singing in the Rain and Cabaret, with shoes that were not flexible, to do grand jetés, to do fouettes, to do slides, to do layouts in shoes that we were not able to articulate, not able to come through our feet. When you do a a tour on Lair, you, you do revolution in the air and you come down. Now imagine if you came down on flat feet, your, your knees would just buckle your back would go into shock. And yet we were being asked to do the, this kind of choreography in shoes, that weren't allowing us to articulate or come through our feet. And that's where the realization came. There needed to be a shoe that had evolved as the dance and the demand, the choreographic demands had evolved for the dancers. Everything had evolved except for the dance shoes. And there were shoes that were being made. They were beautiful, gorgeous, fantastic shoes that looked wonderful for the part, but they did not function to the maximum of what a dancer does. We use our feet and then you put us in, in a contraption that it, it, it's like telling a boxer, I'm gonna give you boxing gloves, but I'm gonna tie the laces together. So we were being limited as to what we could do and obviously very harmful uh, for injury wise. And that's where the nucleus and the idea of Leducer shoes has come from. And uh, it's wonderful to have the Catherine Zeta-Jones and the Uma Thurmans and the Katie Perry's and the Meryl Streep's uh, wear the shoes and and appreciate them. Um, What... Uh, is wonderful about that is that they don't know dance like we do, but to for them to become aware of them and to appreciate it is, is very heartwarming. But for me, my love uh, has always been for the chorus, the the dancer, the stage concert dancer and for them to acknowledge and say you helped my career, you saved my, Career is the the greatest accolade that I can imagine.
0: Oh, absolutely! Imagine if Loducas existed when Gwen Verdon was dancing. You know, uh, like like, it, like think about what they did in their with their limited. Uh, it's just mind blowing to think. Yeah. And you are the you are the spokesperson for the chorus for the dancer because. As dancers, we're all so damn excited just to get the gig. That, that <laughs> we'll
1: dance for free, throw a few coins on this stage.
0: Now, you know, the kids, they train in your shoes. They train in your shoes and then they go in the shows and then they perform in your shoes. So yes, you have single-handedly with a shoe idea, um, improved the, not only the lives of, of the performers, but you've improved the shows for the audience because the dancers are able to do their work. I know what it feels like to dance when you feel uncomfortable and, and, and how you hold back the energy that you spend, you know, being afraid to land. So grateful, so grateful that that you've done this. It's, it's very important, important work. So it's amazing. I'm going to pivot a little bit. Can I share something that you said in the podcast guest form that I gave you?
1: Please. Of course.
0: Great. So the, the question was, What discoveries have you made about yourself that you might not otherwise have learned? And your answer was realization that I've been chasing the moon. And (laughs) yeah, I I was like, wow. So tell me more about what you mean by that.
1: I've realized, I've come to become aware of the fact that. I've been uh, when I say chasing the moon uh, a dream of of what I thought happiness and contentment was I started to sing in a rock and roll band when I was twelve years old, and I realized that I didn't realize then, but I realized now that ever since that i've been wanting that attention. I've been craving the need to be liked, to be uh, thought of as as cool. Uh, And I feel that that's what drove me through my whole career, always onward and upward and to the next, to the next, to the next. I never was content to stay with the show because I didn't have the patience. I wanted the accolades and the fame now. Everything was always next, next. What? How do I get to the next level? And it has served me well to get to Broadway, but I never took the time to relish it. I never acknowledged the beauty and the, amazing talent around me. I was so consumed with needing the attention to be focused on me. I didn't give the proper acknowledgement to those who were around me. As an example, I had worked with the brilliant Irish actor, Richard Harris in Camelot, and did a tour with him. The younger people will know him as the first Dumbledore, Professor <laughs> Dumbledore, and Harry Potter. But uh, Richard was an was an amazing, amazing man. And um, growing up, I had his records. Uh, MacArthur's Park was oh, yeah. his big single, and the fact that I've got to work with this man—he um, was a really a man's man, and but yet a poet and an incredible, incredible person. And I didn't realize just how wonderful it was to have this man's friendship, and I wish I would have appreciated it more. But what I learned from Richard looking back to why we connected he, he just took an affinity to me and we, we just had a grand time. I remember him saying that I didn't want to go to sleep because I didn't want to miss anything. And that's what I felt that I shared most with Richard. And what I come to, what I personally come to realize, there's a difference between a love of life and a lust of life. I had, most people have a a love of life. I had a lust for life. I I wanted to take advantage of everything. I wanted to see everything. I wanted to travel around the world. I wanted to party. I wanted to have a good time. I wanted to date a lot of girls. I just wanted to enjoy life to the fullest. And I wish that I had paid more attention to the people around me as opposed to the excitement. And that's why I said that I was chasing the moon because it's something that you'll never catch. It is, it is always going to be out of reach and it's just, you're just gonna be chasing your tail. And I think the other way to put it is that I have tried to be a perfectionist and I'm a very flawed person, so I've always been in conflict with myself.
0: Hmm. It's interesting what you said i lo- I love that analogy between the clarification between the the lust and the love. That's really interesting and and am i if I'm hearing it correctly, I'm hearing that the lust, although on the outside. Looked maybe to someone looking in as absolutely exciting and filled with vibrancy and and you know as you said doing lots of things and 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 you know doing them at a very high level, everything from whatever it was you were working on to to whatever it was you were doing, right? No, but it's interesting. And it
1: was it was anything and everything. I would just wanted to do as much as I could.
0: Well, and I remember that energy from you. I remember standing next to you and there was always a hunger that I couldn't describe. I I just felt it. You know, I thought, what does he want? (laughs) But yeah, like a (laughs) hunger, a hunger. And uh, I wanted,
1: I wanted, I wanted everything from you. I wanted everything that you had to offer. I was a vampire. You had, you had knowledge I didn't have. You had experiences I didn't have. I wanted whatever I could get from you because I I wanted to fill up on other people's experiences and, and take that and make them mine. Um, and I think I did a great disservice to uh, many people by not acknowledging that or recognizing that Maybe I was overstepping my bounds or I was not giving them their due um, and or, or be reciprocating. I, I, I was very much a taker then. And I think what has happened, thankfully for the shoes, it has made me a giver.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned perfectionism. You said you're a perfectionist, but you're very flawed which a perfectionist would always feel, right? <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> there, I, I wanted challenges. I wanted to push myself. And I think most of that came from being a middle child and being impressed that I was the sensible one and I had to make sensible choices and be the bearer for the family. I went along with it because I wanted to be, quote unquote, the good son. And it was my realization of, but I don't want that. I don't want to live a, a, a normal life. That breaking away, I ran away from Chicago and that life because I wanted excitement. So to go from that little dreamy, nobody kid on the South side of Chicago to working with Richard Harris and to meeting Sophia Loren. Uh, These kinds of things are dreams that came true. And I just never, just like Richard, I didn't want to go to sleep because I was afraid I was going to miss something. Mm. And that's why I missed out on relationships and there were many relationships in my life that i abandoned because i felt that they were restrictive and i needed to fly i was a bird and i needed to soar the lust for life was out of that loneliness of feeling put in a position where i didn't want to be in that position and and nobody around me I felt, uh, had the same dreams I had. Everyone was content to grow up and marry the, your high school sweetheart, and have kids and work for the city, or, you know, I was going to be a, and I realized that, that, that I didn't want that. And, and I had to leave that. And what I did was I abandoned that life. And I had to start a new one for me, but, I never established a family unit because, as dancers, we would, you never, it was rare that you worked in a show for more than months, never mind years. So you were always changing family. You were always roomed with, you went to North Carolina to do a show for three months and then came back to New York, auditioned some more. You did a tour for a year, you came back. You did a show on Broadway, that closed, and you went to Europe to do, so there was no stability. Yeah. And that's where the lust of life came in. Uh, for the perfectionism, I think my switch for perfectionism, the person who showed me was Marty Packladinus, the brilliant costume designer. Marty was the epitome of a perfectionist, and Marty taught me that you never present anything until it's perfect. Mm. You just don't, and I experienced that. It took three years for Marty to, to use me. I kept bringing him things, and he'd say, nope, not good enough, not good enough. My lust for life meant that I was constantly cutting corners. I was constantly cheating because I wanted to win the race. I was the hair. I didn't want to take the long route. I wanted instant gratification and I wanted, I got bored with doing a show for three months. Let me do something else. I wanted to, I loved auditioning because it was always a challenge and I was always wanting to prove myself. So uh, with Marty, he, he taught me that you need to stop and make something the best it can be before you think about moving on to something mm-hmm. else.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I had
1: a dance teacher, Ed Parrish from Chicago. I used to love when he would say, when somebody would say, can we do that combination again? <laughs> At first, you it was so quirky what he said. He'd He'd say, well, you have to do it the first time, before you can do it again, and you're <laughs> going, and you're going, what, what, what? And it, what he meant was, if you didn't do it right the first time, you actually didn't do it the first yeah. time. Yeah. So don't yeah. ask me to do it again until you know how to do it. And the, those are the things that I'd learned later in life, and again, also with the shoes taught me. But LaDuca shoes would would not have succeeded if I was just another shoemaker that, that got, wanted to do dance shoes and make money.
0: What is your definition of living in the moment?
1: Living in the moment is accepting the reality that you're existing in. Accepting the fact that you have made mistakes, you have hurt people, you have done some wonderful things, you have helped many people, and forgiving yourself for the things that were not done in a kind manner or in an ignorance and moving on from that and saying i want to learn from those mistakes that i made and i want to become a better person that is at least where i'm presently at with my
0: life That's really interesting this moment that you speak of sounds like um, the moment with yourself that what comes in what comes into that for you is maybe uh, it sounds like a lot of accepting and, and learning from what happened in the past right in order to move forward is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: Oh absolutely and I've had as you are referring to and recognizing that I've had a, a an awakening as to who I am and why I am the person that I am at this point in time. We all, our products are from our environment. It's our upbringings. It's our neighborhoods. It's our parents. It's our friends. It's our siblings, uh, our schooling. But we always have a chance, hopefully, to move on from those places and expand and become different people if we choose to. We hold on to so many things that we think are security blankets. I held on to a lot of my roots from growing up on the south side of Chicago. I was raised in a very violent environment when I realized that you either were a predator or prey and if you realized you were prey, you had to change in order to survive. And I brought that mentality to New York City. I seemed very jovial and very positive and energetic, but what I was masking was a, an insecurity and a fear. It was all about survival. New York City was tough. For every job, there's hundreds of people behind you wanting the same job. So it was a dog-eat-dog world, and I relished that environment because I came from that kind of dog-eat-dog environment, and that's why I succeeded. However, what I come to realize is that Along with that mentality, I burnt a lot of bridges because I played that tough street wise punk as my mantra. Another thing that hit me, Lisa, from our our conversation that came up to me uh, that you've stirred, thank you, is I've realized something that success does not bring happiness happiness brings success. Yeah. I've been successful in one vein, and people look at me right now in that vein. They look, at, they see me as successful, and they connotate that with happiness. But we have no idea what their personal life is like. It, it goes back to Pagliacci, the famous clown who was very sad in his personal life. Um, So that phrase really came to me. Success does not bring happiness. Happiness brings success.
0: Yeah. Mm. How would you want to be remembered?
1: Uh, Thankfully, uh, and again, humbly, the legacy of Laduca shoes will will live on. Um, uh, As for myself personally, I think... um, Not many people know me personally, very, very few, as far as a what I'm trying to mesh, quite honestly, Lisa, is the legacy of Phil Leduca being somebody who made a difference in the world, not out of desire for fame and fortune. As a as as one would want to do as a performer, so for all of you that I worked with as a performer, please take this as a uh, an apology and forgive me for my indiscretions, and for and and hopefully, as we talk about moving on, that the people it's interesting the people who know me only as the shoes and the Leducas shoes and the designer. Don't know that other person and they look at me as a benefactor and somebody who did something good for the community and the world at large and that has helped uh, Tame the beast within me and soothe that anger. I don't have that anger within me any longer that I did as a performer or as an adolescent growing up. So I'm grateful that this opportunity was given to me and that I've been able to give something beneficial to the dance world and the dancers that I love. And in return, they have shown me love back. And I'm proud of that legacy as a person where it's down to, to myself separated from my As a performer or a a shoe designer or a founder, um, I'm still working on that, to Mm -hmm. be honest. I can tell you what I, I want to be. I want to be a good person. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good neighbor. I want to be a good human being that people can trust. Uh, I was was raised very untrustworthy. I want people to really sincerely feel that I have their best interest at heart and I don't have a, a hidden agenda or decevious, which again, that's the way I grew up. So I want that persona to be of somebody plain and simple who's a good person.
0: Mm, yeah. Amen. Don't we all? So it's that time. Are you ready? Are you ready for the rapid fire?
1: Here we go. I'm I'm okay. I'm 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 relaxed. Okay, let's go.
0: Warm warming up. Okay. <laughs> all right. Philaduca. So what makes you sad?
1: The state of the world. Mad. My inability to do more about it.
0: Frustrated.
1: That I haven't achieved. The person that I want to be yet.
0: Interested.
1: How are we going to fix it?
0: Motivated.
1: The desire to have a family and to teach my children.
0: Inspired.
1: The amazing stories and people that I have recently come to know.
0: And grateful.
1: That I've come to a place in my life where i can be the person i want to be
0: amazing beautiful and before we go i like to ask all my guests what are the top three things that happened so far today
1: my conversation with lisa hopkins (laughs) the sharing of the unbridled love that our one-year-old puppy brings when we uh, greet her in the morning with my wife and I.
0: <laughs> what kind of puppy do you have?
1: We have a, a, a rescue dog um, that is a mix of Chihuahua and Terrier, Nene, and uh, she brings fun, my wife and I, uh, such, such joy to see uh, someone, some living creature that gets so excited to be loved and to be held and to be touched, uh, really has brought a lot of of joy to us as we await our own family.
0: Mm, that's beautiful.
1: Third thing would be strap on my handyman belt and tools and I, I what I am. Relishing now, right now in my life, taking advantage of the time uh, are two things, writing again, and also being in touch with nature, growing up a city boy my whole life. I've lived in Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles, never been a country boy, and loving the fact that I am actually creating things that are growing.
0: mm hmm Well, that sounds like an amazing way to end, creating things that are growing. Phil, I cannot thank you enough for joining me on Stop Time. It's been a tremendous pleasure just reconnecting with you. We've known each other for so long, and I, you know, I just, I really appreciate you. So thanks. Yeah.
1: It has been my extreme pleasure and, uh... Extending our our friendship over the years and reconnecting has just been a joy for myself and I thank you,
0: Lisa. Yeah, no, absolutely. Listen, I've been speaking today with Phil LaDuca. Stay safe and healthy, everyone, and remember to live in the moment. In music, stop time is that beautiful moment where the band is suspended in rhythmic unison, supporting the soloist to express their individuality. In the moment. I encourage you to take that time and create your own rhythm. Until next time, I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening.